0: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Breakfast Show with Dorian Brown.
1: Good morning, good morning, good morning.
0: It is Friday, Friday, gotta get down, it's
1: Friday. Welcome to The Breakfast Show, the start to the end of your week. Saturday and Sunday beckon, and it's not long until we can feel their warm embrace. I am Dorian Brown, it's Friday the 3rd of December, and you are in Casa Teachers Talk Radio, where today we are talking about the Anthropocene, why it's important, and indeed what it is. Stay tuned, talk it out.
0: Live from Qatar. This is The Breakfast Show with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: Good morning my breakfast buddies. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Uh, Just before we go once more into the breach, pop yourself a couple of crumpets in the toaster, squeeze a few oranges as we have got a ripper of a show for you today. Now, December is upon us uh, and it is, I believe, custom in many houses across the country that the tree is now officially able to go up from the 1st of December. Slade, Mariah Carey and e 17 are all tickling our ears. And Chestnuts are eager to see if Magnus Carlsen can win his eighth world championship. And before we get the show started today, our customary visit to my imaginary co-host Susie Dent to uh, see today's word of the day. Uh, It is from the 16th century and the word is eye servant. And this is one who only works properly or follows the rules when they are being observed. I wonder if we've got a few students in our classes that are particularly good at being eye servants. Uh, my guest today, absolutely, by ju- judging by his CV, um, is definitely one who is working when you are watching, but actually also doing an incredible amount of work when you are not. Wo- wo- watching. So uh, my guest today is Mr. Paul Turner. He is a radical geographer, though many will know him as Paul, the radical geographer. More about that uh, later in the show. Uh, Paul is a head of geography, a passionate advocate for climate action, and he has been awarded the Excellence in Geography Education from the Royal Geographical Society. He's an intrepid campaigner for the teaching and embedding of a climate crisis curriculum and is also one of the UK's first United Nations accredited climate change teachers. Paul also contributes significantly to the collective climate action movement, which gives his time and his energy to a wealth of different projects and as such is actually very well known, I believe, on the climate crisis circuit. So, welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio this morning. Oh, thank you. Cheers. Fantastic. Great. Um, now, there is quite a, a, a CV that I've just read out there, and I and I do feel that I am just, um, you know, in, in sort of looking around your website and, and, and seeing you on on social media. I do really feel that I'm just sort of scratching the surface at some hello? of the the, the the myriad of things that you're in. Oh, hello. Can you can you hear me? Sorry,
2: just cut out. Yeah, no, it was very generous. Have I got there, have
1: I, um, your introduction? <laughs> I was just saying how uh the what I just read out was uh w- w- was quite a quite a c v and I feel that you know with all the things that you're actually doing um and have done in the past, it feels that i'm just sort of scratching the surface of all the things that you're involved in with the climate crisis and I hope that uh, for today's show we can drill down a little bit more into the um into the things that you do do and get a sense of firstly where you're initial motivation came from, uh, and indeed what your secret is uh, to where all the time and energy comes from, I think, in everything that you're involved in. So um, so, so, could we start from the beginning and, and give our listeners a sense of who you are and, and telling us a bit about uh, your journey in education up to this point? Okay.
2: Um, so... I don't know where to start really i guess i went to university down in cornwall and that was part of my uh, experience i guess was was being in a place where we were very close to the sea and uh, mm. engaged with the environment and also i think my undergraduate degree was was focused around sort of sustainability we were quite i was quite fortunate in that there were opportunities to do renewable energy topics there and i think that was sort of the foundation of of what i was doing but the reality actually was when i was at university whilst i was doing my geography degree i was interested in uh, music promotion and was involved in organizing lots of live music and that was actually what i did um at the end of university i went off and, and was a sort of music promoter for a while and i guess i kind of had an interest in um organizing events and yeah. just bringing people together around those sorts of things and actually that's something that's that's continued throughout my teaching career is in the schools i've been in i've always used the um i guess the the opportunities there to to organize events and um, yeah, so in a previous school i organized a geography festival we brought together some speakers and, and lots of children from different schools and and that's also been something that's been a key theme but in in terms of the environment element i guess um It's only really been the last few years where it's really galvanized Um, Mm. and actually I've probably got to be honest and say it's seeing the shift in the kind of public rhetoric and seeing the change in terms of the media perception and and Mm. people like Greta and uh, Extinction Rebellion who've given me a bit Mm. more confidence to to be a bit bolder in terms of the way that I as a teacher have engaged with this
1: yes yeah that sounds fantastic and, I, and that is something i've had i've had a, a number of people i i, I know that you or you you know as well on the show previously and there has mm. been this jet this um this consensus almost that you know it does feel that we're not the minority perhaps anymore people that are advocating for for for, for action really and 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 you know following a, a string of recent events and 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 you know political and 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 protests and whatnot we really do feel that there is some we do have some momentum um going now and and there is more sort of power to the people if you like uh, in in that regard so it does feel that we're perhaps maybe a little bit less less alone in those um so that that was really nice to kind of hear sort of sort of where you sort of grown up grown up and where also. i wonder if you've got any rock and roll stories from your music promotion days or are they not suitable for teachers talk radio
2: <laughs> i don't know because i always try and drop names with students and say you know there's this musician or this and then um none of it seems to have the impact i hope yes yeah, such- at the moment who's receiving quite a lot of um, popularity is i wonder Um, a kind of two-piece male-female band and they're actually on a world tour at the moment or kind of within the limitations of coronavirus but but, um, they're people I used to to, um, be involved with
1: Lovely, great. Uh, not no. i unfortunately I, I do not know who who they are. I think my 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 musical name dropping stopped when I realised. You know, when you're doing your climate graphs in the last seven yes. letters, Jason Donovan and and the students are like Jason who. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, that was a that was a moment of realisation. But the, but the, since then, actually, Jason Derulo has come along, so uh, okay. he's given me another kind of five years of that joke. So that's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, great. Um, so fantastic. So so. Uh, i love hearing i love hearing teacher's journey into education i love hearing the you know the the influences and and also the fact that it's never never always seems to be kind of like a, a straight road our, our journeys yeah. into into education and we always uh, have lots of influences from various different um, uh, people or, or, or things going on in the world and everything as well so it's beautiful to kind of hear um, how you uh, kind of I guess returned back to this kind of environmental sustainability mm. um, aspect you know with as a result of uh, you know more more collective um, discussion about this um, so just just before in the intro there I was just kind of mentioning the the um, geographypool.com website uh, uh, yeah. to uh, yeah. and, and, and I was saying that the first the, the, those first three um, sentences which are kind of loud and clear at the very top on, on the top banner there um, I wonder if we might take, a, take a, some time to just break down each of the headlines for us of, of, of um, and and kind of go into a bit more depth about what what they mean, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, and see where we go from there. So, okay. yeah. um, so so the first one, uh, obviously, the, the 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 website itself, it's ra- radical radical geographer Paul. Um, can, can I jump in
2: quick? Yeah, yes. yeah, go on jumping really quickly. Funny yeah. with the website mm. one. I've actually been to a few interviews where. You put down on your um, application, obviously, you know, you've got a website and it's a way for the, the school to kind of gauge you a little bit, and understand who you are. But it's mm-hmm. been really funny that some of the response from some schools has been that, oh, this is you know, it's a bit arrogant and gosh, what teachers have got websites? But I think it's really common now, isn't it? And actually, the <laughs> website has been a really good platform to engage with other people and to connect um, mm. and just share resources as well so i think that's something that more increasingly more and more teachers are doing and i would definitely promote the idea of having a website because it's so easy now yes. to set up relatively
1: free yes it is absolutely and and yeah to, to to i just kind of think before websites what we did it, it was thumb drives wasn't it we used to just kind of sharing, you know, yeah. have, have, our, have our kind of golden thumb drive which you know we would have to protect with our with our lives yeah. and uh, and and sharing and 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 stuff so yeah i absolutely agree and i think again most of the the uh people that i've spoken to have the same sort of thing it's somewhere an online platform where you can share your 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 ideas share your resources and share your share your thoughts i think and everything as well and also share the the, share the good work and share the you know share share the love I think because yeah, we, we we do kind of um, often work in in isolation as teachers don't we you know it's just us and, and and the students and so having that kind of that that window if you like it's outward facing window into the world is is something which I think allows like you said other people to kind of reach out and connect um, which I'm hoping maybe some people might do might after do after yeah. the show today as well so yeah that'd be great Great, the three sentences, yes. So the first one is the science is clear. Now, obviously, this is in the context of the climate crisis, climate change, etc. So what do you mean by the science is clear? So these three sentences are adapted from something that
2: Dr. Emily Grossman compiled so that she has put together what is a really, really good document called Emergency on Planet Earth. And it's a free, uh, publicly accessible, but kind of crowdsourced and... um, uh, referenced document that, that outlines uh, the background to the climate and nature emergency. And that's something I always direct teachers to. So it's called emergency on planet Earth. But this first sentence outlines the idea that basically the majority of scientific evidence now supports the idea that climate change is human-induced or man-made. It's something like 99.9%. So there is no debate about whether it's man-made or not. And one of the problems is that we still have this false sense of balance and it, it happens in many classrooms where teachers feel like they can't, uh, they, they need to, to bring a sort of opposing views in terms of everything they do. But this is an issue where there's no debate around this.
1: Mm. Yes, excellent. And then there has been an incredible amount of d- discourse over, over many years, hasn't there, that, you know, the the, the, the pros and the cons as to whether it, is, whether it is, has been exacerbated by humans or not. You know, when you look back to longer time, periods where there has been a natural heating and cooling of the, of the world that's often been the the argument hasn't it uh, from the the non-believers if you like to <laughs> yeah. say that you know
2: what's interesting is the bbc actually this was quite a few years ago most media outlets now have got really clear direction about how they should present these sorts of stories ah. um, but it seems to be that some classrooms, some teachers still are slightly lagging And I think that's true of quite a few of these things. It's also true of a lot Mm. of the language that we use. So that might be something we could talk about with the next one that says, we face an unprecedented global emergency. I think lots of teachers are a bit worried about using what they perceive to be very dramatic, um, sort of hyperbolic language, talking Mm. about a a crisis or an emergency. But the reality is that that's what scientists are using. They're using this language. And so we're not kind of being true to the science and, and the sort of even the politics of it in a sense, because it's that's the same language that politicians is, are using. And I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that and to start using more appropriate language.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, when you when, when, when you said that as well, you know, teachers are actually quite... I feel um, worried about it, and it, 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 rightly so, because we, we are we are not necessarily the experts on these things either, are we? To be honest, we are not uh, the you know. A, a, and as has been shown in recent times, you know, um, trying to kind of move from academic research or scientific research, should we say, and then translate that into the, transplant that into the classroom is is you know the, those those two fields are often kind of there's, there's a gulf in between the two, yeah. and so for the responsibility of 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 teaching about the climate crisis, et cetera, to fall on all teachers. I'm not just saying geography teachers here, but on all teachers, where's the, where's the bridge between those two, those two fields?
2: I think it's increasingly happening, there are university departments who are providing more and more uh, outreach and support for schools. And, you know, so the one I know most recently was maybe University of Reading, who ran a climate conference and have engaged with students and teachers to sort of support them. And I think that's going to be more and more common. Uh, there's also some great organizations, you know, the Royal uh, Meteorological Society have got some great resources, but it's acknowledging, and like you say, that it, it, it's not just the responsibility of a single subject or a single teacher, and mm. that. that is actually the norm in many schools is that it's often perceived that there is one teacher who's passionate about this and they can take all the responsibility and sort of burden of it but this is something that we need everyone to to take on board but like you say then also it's um not everyone's expertise we need a rapid program to upskill and educate everyone
1: yes absolutely and that moves very nicely actually onto that third statement doesn't it that we must teach for the anthropocene now um as a uh, as a as a geographer uh, the geographers and geologists and scientists out there probably already have a, a handle on what we we understand to be the anthropocene mm. uh, would you mind would you mind unpacking defining what you mean by the anthropocene and also why we what why as it says there we must teach for it so the
2: anthropocene is a it's a debated geological time frame. So the idea is it's called the age of humans or the age of, of people. And it's acknowledging that we are at a stage in the planetary history. So the earth is about 4.6 billion years old, but we're at a time where humans are now having an impact on a global scale. And that is so significant, you know, we, we've shifted the climate um, because of human activity. We've had a, a significant impact on the natural environment. And mm-hmm. that, needs to influence the how and the what we teach so we mm. we need to shift the way that education works so that it's appropriate for the uh, for the
1: time frame that we exist in for, for the age mm. that we live and so, and so our impact on the planet is now kind of if you if one for a better phrase kind of burned into the into the history of the planet you know in you know hundreds right. of years time we're going to see in you know in, in soil horizons or rocks etc exactly what we, we were up to um, yeah. and there's
2: a really good example. Mark Maslin uh, from UCL has got mm. some really great examples, but one of them is around uh, mini Lego figures, and you might not realize, but there's actually more Lego minifigures than people uh, in the world now. Wow, and, uh, that's, that's a fact. <laughs> in terms of production of plastic, you know, we've produce yeah. such a significant amount of plastic and this exists permanently all it does is it just breaks down into smaller and smaller pieces so, so plastic is one of the most significant things that we're doing in terms of leaving
1: a, a lasting legacy yes there's this there's this concept i think uh, i saw recently uh, i can't remember where i saw it actually but it was the it was anthropogenic mass uh, yeah. which is the amount of uh, of of man-made person-made things that it has now is something like over a thousand gigatons or something compared to which is more than global bio biomass
2: Mm. one of the biggest problems as well is this idea of shifting baseline in that so people grow up and the the time that you grow up in you think is just the norm and that's how Mm. it's always been and as humans we sort of struggle to appreciate the idea that the the earth has always gone through big changes but that actually um the, the time in which we live is not necessarily the norm. And and we're Mm. seeing that in terms of species uh, extinction, that people just think it's common not to see certain species. And and Mm. that's a problem, especially with young people, because they then lose the perspective of what the, the earth
1: used to be like. Mm, yes, very interesting, and I think with experience, obviously, go, being forty plus years old as well gives you that kind of perspective in a way, albeit a, sh- a shorter time frame. But when you compare that to the experience of a of a student or a child, etc., yeah. you know, it's a, it's a snapshot, isn't it? It's a, it's a tiny snapshot in terms of global time, time scale. So it's very yeah. interesting to think well, about how things have changed, even in the short time that you know uh, adults have been on yep. the planet. Yeah.
2: One of the good examples that we always talk about is bug splats on cars. And so there's been scientific experiments that show that the number of bug splats has uh, declined over the last few decades. That, <laughs> right. uh, on your car, there are less bugs hitting the car than there were 10, 20
1: years ago. And that's been is it because we're more, um, we're, we're more we're uh, more careful drivers now? Is that perhaps maybe what it is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's you know, not necessarily that. <laughs> Mm. Do, do we know what explains that? What does oh, it explain? It's because of
2: species, it's because of extinctions and declining oh, numbers that. of insects, sorry. Oh, wow, okay. yeah, <laughs> it's, it's because literally the number of bugs has been declining because of the All use right. of chemical, uh, you know, agricultural Uh, processes and products.
1: Yeah. And now that you've said that, and and I remember as a child, you know, you know, it's particularly if you're driving in the nighttime, et cetera, coming back in a dad's car and seeing the kind of the the plastering of 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 corpses, if you like, on the on the lights. And yeah, you're right. Now that I'm thinking about that, when I come home driving from now, uh, you know, it's it's not as um, not as common. So yeah, Yeah. but you don't you don't realize that really until you draw attention to it like you've done there. So that's a really fantastic way of 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 thinking Mm. about that. Uh, Great. Well, that's really good. Thank you very much for that, Paul. As I said, we'll, we'll kind of dip in and out of, of the other sort of things on your yeah. on your website over the over the over the next uh, couple of sections, if that's okay. But uh, I wanted to really just uh, draw the attention to, to the word radical again, um, because your your Twitter moniker is Paul Radical Geographer, um, and I've taken the liberty of kind of getting the the dictionary definition, if you like, of what radical means. Um, so it's relating to or affect or affecting the fundamental fundamental nature of something far-reaching or thorough also advocating or based on thorough or complete political or social change representing or supporting an extreme or progressive section of a political party so what does it mean then to be a radical geographer and why is it important for geographers and perhaps actually all teachers uh, to be radical in your opinion well so i've adopted this relatively recently maybe
2: in the last year and the, the reality is though that radical geographies existed within universities for decades and there's actually there's a, a the journal of radical geography or, um called antipode and it's been something that at the university level is really common and people in mm. their university uh, degrees are, are likely to have experienced some of this but it's not sort of uh, transcended that boundary it's not come across down to at the school level, partly because I think of associations with that word radical. And, Mm. you know, people might think about um, radicalization in the sense of sort of terrorism, but that's Mm. certainly not what this is about. And actually, we often talk more about critical thinking and and engaging in more of an inquiry process. And the idea being that radical is about challenging the status quo. So we sort of highlight within the geography world, but more generally in um, education that there are problems with the status quo partly linked mm. to the climate nature emergency but also things like examination and the, the sort of exam factory approach and that mm. those are things that we need to uh, radically change that we need to do a big step change that we can't necessarily have incremental um, shift that's not enough
1: mm. yeah that's great uh, i i um I've referenced um, Martin Robinson's Trivium last week as well in that same uh, frame, really about how the education is written by the educated, you know, um, and so those that are kind of not, you know, don't do so well in education don't necessarily have a say or, or, or a contribution to to what is what is knowledge, I guess, in in certain disciplines and certain domains, and so yeah, that kind of radicalization is that uh, well being radical in terms of pushing back against the status quo, uh, you know critical i think when you say critical thinking i think that's that's bang on isn't it because we're talking about the idea of not accepting um, information which is just presented to you in a in a in a neat in a neat way right
2: and this is one of the problems that we seem to have this movement towards what's perceived to be powerful knowledge and i think there's it's slightly problematic in the sense that, that then you're saying who well who prescribes this knowledge yes. who decides Powerful for who yes and I think it's for, from our perspective we think it's far better to create inquisitive inquiry based citizens who are critical of the world and that that's how we then challenge some of these big social um, economic environmental structural problems i think there are there are things embedded within our society that we want young people to actually be critical of and engage with um as, as critical citizens in, in terms of that uh, you're just saying about sort of teachers being self-selecting and there being a slight bias in the sense of the system i think that's, mm. that's absolutely true i, I definitely is something i've researched And then the idea that the educational system works for a very small proportion of the population and then there's such a large group of people who are disenfranchised and lose out and that we seem to think that that's just the way it has to be, that we have to have this baked in inequality in the system where there's a small mm-hmm. selection of people who through some sort of misguided sense of hard work or you know, mm-hmm. this perception that they're doing the right thing that then means they achieve whilst others, and the, it's the majority who then sort of lose out. And I think that's something that we could flip on its head and actually is a reflection of much broader societal problems as well. And then that's where I think there's some really interesting things in terms of education being a sort of microcosm of the wider society. And that solutions yes. for things that are going on in wider society um can play out and, and we can actually kind of start them off within the educational system
1: yeah that's that's huge i mean that's a show in itself what you what you've just kind of uh, <laughs> described there isn't it or not even a show it's not that's the sort of thing that can't really be kind of fully kind of thrashed out is it but, but i i think it's uh, it, it, you're you're very right i think that uh, you know, it, it, the, I think I think coming back to the, the the brass tacks really about you know perhaps maybe what our perception, what our what our idea of education is, what is the purpose of education? I think is a very yeah. kind of a, a good starting point um, when we're trying to kind of articulate uh, something which is inclusive, something which is which allows everybody to to grow, everybody to thrive, everybody to kind of um, develop uh, and 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 be you know be a be a happy human being really. And and like you said, the structures that exist at the this moment in time, I suppose. Are ones that are, you know, uh, that gear are, are very much, like you said, baked in and geared towards a, a hierarchy, which is something which is uh, definitely something we've got to be aware about, and something which I think that our students uh, need to start considering to put, not necessarily push back, but just to be a little bit more um, critical yeah, and, of, and, yeah. and, yeah, and conscious of. Yes, that's yeah, fantastic.
2: Because uh, I think one of the things that teachers are often um, guilty of is this sort of implicit sense of meritocracy that as long as you work hard you will achieve and that really Mm -hmm. isn't the reality of the world that Mm -hmm. because of big inequalities that exist it means that actually students are uh, the the, the thing that's going to influence their uh, success in life statistically is actually the job that their father had and that's Mm -hmm. a far greater measure actually of of the outcomes of the rest of their life And I think then that's something that we need to be more conscious of. And actually by just drilling people for exams, you're just playing into that system more and more rather than challenging it.
1: Yes, yes. Oh very deep very very deep for a friday morning and as i said no 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 but it, it is absolutely fascinating it is a combination conversation that definitely needs to be had and something which is really really interesting and i hope i sort of listeners in the studio etc of uh, mm. you know any thought any thoughts do sort of uh, text in if you do have any thoughts on that because it is a, a very uh, sort of salient uh, uh, topic i think for, for for picking i think at a later date um let's uh, let, we're just going to have a quick uh, ad break here now uh, paul and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the
0: uh, ministry of eco and your work with that so uh, stay right with us need support with your phonics teaching did you know oxford university press now has three dfe validated programs to help you read write ink phonics floppies phonics and the brand new essential letters and sounds Live from Qatar. This is the Breakfast Show with Dorian Brown. Uh, thank you for joining
1: us back Hello, again here. Yeah. In the morning, uh, not the morning break. It's the Breakfast Show with uh, with Dorian Brown, and I'm joined by Paul Turner, uh, the radical geographer. Uh, and uh, before the break, we were listening there uh, to Paul talk about. Uh, what his motivation or stimulus was uh, for becoming a, a, a radical geographer? You know, very focused on on uh, embedding the uh, climate. Climate crisis curriculum across uh, across the world, uh, and then we kind of we dove a little bit into the idea about what what it was to be radical and and the need for us to kind of question and and consider uh, the status quo and perhaps maybe be uh, sort of uh, start a conversation about kind of changing some of the status quo to ensure that we are perhaps maybe a little bit more of a an inclusive and and and. Uh, uh, inclusive and knowledgeable society um i wanted to dig it a little bit um so i'm going through little parts on on your website here paul um and um i wanted to dig particularly into the ministry of eco uh and wondered if you are i I believe you are uh you are you the education lead for the ministry of eco is that right yeah so can you give us a little bit of information about it how it came about and what the objectives are
2: Okay, so the Ministry of Eco-Education is an organization that was set up by Dale Vince, who is the founder of Ecotricity, and um, he's funding the sort of initial steps of this and and, um, kind of putting in energy to make it to begin. And then uh, the the intention is that this is going to roll on for years. And we've actually I'll I'll talk about maybe some of the uh, objectives and aims that we've got in a minute. But Hmm. in essence, What we want to do is have an impact in schools right now. So rather than waiting for uh, some sort of curriculum review or for top down from the government uh, to to change and to embed the climate nature emergency, instead, it's acknowledging that there's so much potential in the current position. And so Mm -hmm. what we've done is we have reframed the national curriculum. So this is a primary curriculum to start with. And we're at the mm-hmm. moment developing a kind of p stage three version but the idea is that schools can teach everything they need to in the national curriculum but do it through an environmental net lens and yes rather than kind of reinventing the wheel and and coming up with new resources instead what we've done is i've s- searched the internet and, f- and found all of the teaching resources that are freely available from um, more than 160 environmental charities and organisations, and they're things like the Wildlife Trust and the Marine Conservation Society and Surfs Against Sewage and all those sorts of charities that people have heard of. But at the moment, hmm. it's a bit piecemeal that people might bring the occasional resource into it into the odd lesson. But yes. what we've wanted to do is we've weaved it together into a coherent and cohesive curriculum that is framed around broad inquiry questions. So we've got sort of 30 inquiry questions that frame about eight to 12 uh, lessons. So there's a sort of series of eight to 12 lessons and the teacher can then um, access these resources and they jump between um, different resources from different organizations throughout those lessons. And then underneath all of this, there's a sort of broader academic theory. We've done a lot of research in terms of uh, the environmental education sector and approaches. And what we've got is a number of key pillars that underpin it. So the first one is sort of inquiry with the whole idea of being uh, inquisitive and and being critical and asking questions. So all of the lessons are framed around broad inquiry questions. We've then got um, adventure. And that's not just adventure of going and climbing trees. It's about being adventurous in your learning and adventurous in the classroom as well we've then got the approach of of balance and thinking about that human nature relationship so in terms of the way that the curriculum is is uh, phrased and the language we use we're reframing that relationship between humans and nature so talking about humans as a part of nature rather than separate from and so we're really um acutely aware of that and making sure that that's explicit in in the language we use and then the last one is um systems thinking and That's sort of embedded within the way that the curriculum is structured with this idea that um, students pull knowledge from different areas so that at one moment they'll be doing a bit of maths, but then that will be linked to a bit of history, but also in that the knowledge that they explore is linked. So they're looking at the way that then the world is interconnected and that's sort of implicit as well within the curriculum
1: wow um uh, that sounds like an incredible amount of work has, has already kind of gone into this and I know that you have I've seen sort of seen through your social media that you've been kind of almost touring uh, with as it yes, were with the Ministry yeah. of eco kind of spreading spreading this and and listen I, exactly I know that there's a number of teachers in the studio a number of teachers that will be listening to download that have been that person you've said about oh something's happened in the world and I want to kind of really inform my my, my students about it and and like you said they'll grab a resource or something and, and Try to crowbar it in somehow, or, or often it is just a kind of a standalone lesson. Mm. But the what you're saying there, and, and exactly, you know, threading that all together, and it not being something that you have to crowbar in, it's being it's part of the fabric of the curriculum. Uh, is just the it's the panacea. It almost sounds like the panacea of of, of how you know what we were talking earlier about that you know yeah. being a bit more radical and just saying Look, do you know what that you know we should it's a, it's our moral obligation, our duty to to ensure that everybody has access. To this information. And I love that it started off as a primary. Uh, curriculum as well, because that's uh, I, I sp- I've spoken to uh, a few of my guests in the past, and it's, it's it's so important that we get students as early as possible thinking about these things uh, and feeling that they have a little bit more of a say and a bit more ownership and a bit more empowerment in terms of the choices that they make and the things that they can do uh, to you know to to, to contribute towards uh, the, the the sustainable future of the world. So, yeah. so it, it's abso- it sounds absolutely incredible, I, I, and I know I'm going to ask you know. lot of teachers will be thinking right now right how do i get hold of this so could you kind of signpost us to that let me tell you that in a second
2: i'll just jump on that first bit though about empowering and that is also that human agency is a really important Mm. thread of this curriculum as well because we acknowledge that essentially by showing young people how they can have a positive impact is a really good way to offset any sense of of anxiety or any negative feelings that they might have if if we can really make them understand how even just in a very small area you know it could be a pocket of their school or it might be their local community how they can have a positive impact that's really really powerful Um, in terms of signing up we have a website where people can contact us called the Mm -hmm. ministry of uh, eco.org And on that, there's a contact email and some video content. Um, Mm. We started, so the curriculum initially started with one primary school over in Stroud that we worked really closely with the teachers to help develop uh, their ideas. Uh, They were the foundation of this curriculum. But since September, we've had 15 schools nationally, who've been engaging with the material and helping in a kind of reciprocal relationship. We've called those the pioneer schools. And then now we're recruiting a hundred schools, a hundred primary schools for next September. And we're sort of halfway um, on the way to getting those. And the idea is we're using these schools as the model. We're saying, look, you can do it because these other schools are doing it. And and they're Mm. sort of being ambassadors for the local community and their uh, networks. And we've got lots of teachers now who are running uh, CPD and training for their, within their trust based around this curriculum as well. And we just want it to sort of grow organically in that sense. But wow. longer term, though, we want half of all primary schools by 2025. So that's 10,000 primary schools to be engaged yeah. with this primary curriculum. Now, yes. th- there's what's really interesting as well is that off the back of COP26, the government have been making they, they released a draft climate and uh, sort of climate change education um, strategy document. And in that um, th- they're making uh, sort of noises and giving a direction that actually what we're doing within this um, Ministry of Education curriculum really is the direction that they're heading. So schools that get on board now will be ahead of the curve and, and will be prepared for when actually in a couple of years time, when the government starts saying that this is
1: mandatory and that it has to be done, um, schools will be already prepared. Great, and th- and that was going to be my follow up question. Actually, have you seen a bit of a, uh, a, a bit of a spike almost in interest as a result of COP twenty six? As uh, as head teachers and governors, actually, almost as well, uh, kind of have got the the message loud and clear that change has an action has to happen, and it has to it has to you know has to start in schools uh, somewhere. Um, so, yeah, have you I, seen a bit of a spike? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I think
2: some schools are feeling a little bit helpless in that they Mm. are overwhelmed already particularly with with coronavirus and all these other expectations of them that they just there is this sense that maybe this is um, a step too far this is the the straw that broke the camel's back but Mm. what we are trying to communicate is that there are plenty of organizations and people out there who can help support you uh, and it doesn't need lots and lots of extra resource from teachers that, that um, it is something that is easy to pick up. I mean, also, though, lots of the motivation seems to come from a very personal perspective as well. When we go and engage with schools, yes. it's teachers who are saying, Look, I just feel like this is something I have to. That I, like you were saying, actually, that this is like a moral obligation. that, As a member of society, as a human being, I, mm. I fully appreciate that we need to embed this better. And so lots of teachers are sort of willing to engage with this um, because of that. And I think also though, teachers themselves are, cu- are curious to learn more as well. And, and that's something that we've embedded um, within the course or within the program as well is, is um, putting front and center as well. The idea of staff training and supporting the staff mm-hmm. because we can't just expect teachers to sort of pick this up without any prior um, kind of training or mm-hmm. experience.
1: Absolutely. It needs to be very carefully. And, and I think the idea of how you're working with your, your pioneer schools, et cetera, is a perfect way of doing that because you are, you know, you've got that incubation period of time, I suppose, of where yeah. you can kind of really kind of develop some, some quite strong leaders uh, in that case, that student leaders and, and, and teachers themselves, actually. And, mm. and, and, and then that kind of you know, propagates around, doesn't it, to, to other schools uh, surrounding. And it was an interesting point I think you made about, uh, about how uh, climate crisis, you know, we've got to deal with climate crisis as well as COVID, as well as as yes. well as well this and that. Um, but because, you know, the, and I love the, the fact that now the, the language has moved from climate change to climate crisis, you know, that does uh, identify that the, the the issue is a lot more um, urgent than perhaps maybe people have thought in the past because that's why governments and schools haven't necessarily taken action in the past because it's something which is going to happen in the future. It's not something that we necessarily need to address now. So do you see that sense of urgency now amongst more uh, teachers and schools and governors?
2: I think yes some schools but there's definitely some schools out there as well who just feel that if this was important it would be mandated and it would be directed from the government and so i know that there's some schools we've contacted who just say well we we at the moment are sort of fulfilling our statutory requirements and we have a safeguarding officer and and all these sorts of things but actually things like having someone with an environmental responsibility isn't yet compulsory so there are Mm. some schools who who and it may be just because of their setting you know we can't expect every school to be able to pick this up straight away and And what we're just hoping is that by building it sort of slowly, it begins to grow and people building confidence. Because something we've been doing actually is is recording lots of video content to share um, the experience of teachers. We're really keen to help amplify um, educators and to help share the great things that other teachers have been doing, as well as all these other organisations
1: that are working within this space. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and and actually, lots of other people within, within within education as well are. And 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 if I just kind of say, um, I spoke, I've spoken to both uh, Alan Parkinson and Kit Rackley on previous shows, and I know they both have have done a lot of. Work and, and 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 research and 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 in framing the climate crisis as a safeguarding issue, um, and so if there is this this, this the, these schools that are saying you know it's not it's not mandated just yet, then actually their, Kit and Alan's argument says says the counter to that and says actually it is because the climate the current climate crisis anxiety amongst children and obviously safeguarding the sustainable future of, the, of, of well of their lives yeah, I yeah, guess yeah, yeah, of the planet yeah. uh, is a current safeguarding issue and 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 you are legally bound to 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 safeguard their their future right so you should be doing something uh, like what Ministry of Eco are doing right now right
2: yeah, definitely. Oh, there's, there's a really good book, actually, that I'd suggested to, um, to Kit uh, by Rupert Reed called Parents for a Future, which essentially sets out that argument on a planetary scale, saying, look, right. as, a, as a generation, we have a safeguarding responsibility for ensuring the uh, well-being of the planet for future generations. And it's that whole idea of being sort of stewards of the planet. And, and yes. we don't want to be that generation that sort of destroys the planet. And, and then there's a legacy of, of for future
1: generations. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Um, (laughs) Hey, we're absolutely kind of... um burning through this uh, the, the time here and, and and I know I've got a number of other things I'd like to I'd ask you so thank you very much for the uh, for, for the information on, on the ministry of Eco and, and, and we will put obviously the links to uh, that, that you've mentioned in, in in the show notes below so people can can reach out but I think it's absolutely fabulous the 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 energy and and, and the amount of I can't just even imagine the amount of time and effort and I know how, how, how long it takes to, to to kind of craft a scheme of learning and continually kind of improve it and evolve it and so to, to do what you have done in the time that you've done it, uh, and roll it out to so many. You know, because because we know, you know, one teacher's scheme of work or a scheme of learning needs to be um, uh, contextualized uh, yeah, and, and, and tailored, adapted, yeah. doesn't it, and tailored. Yeah. So mm. you know, it's an awful amount of uh, of work. So so thank you for that, and I, I'm very much looking forward to to hearing more about what's going. You know, the the the, the journey of Ministry of Eco over the next year. Um, so uh, a couple of other things I think to sort of pick up uh, on uh, fr- from your website again. Obviously you've got yourself uh, a big picture of yourself there with the climate stripes. Now, again as a geographer, um, these uh, were you know I, I've got one up in my, in my classroom and, and they're not as ubiquitous as I thought they were. Um, so in addition to embedding a climate change curriculum, what other mediums do you think that we could use to kind of get the message across that you know action is is needed?
2: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So Ed Hawkins um, at the University of Reading developed these and he's now he did receive an MBE for them uh, for his work around uh, climate education and and, um, a lot of his research in terms of past climate records but he those stripes actually have been turned into clothes and ties i know there's a few yes. people, I think alan parkinson does have one of these
1: ties and he can he, get it as socks and all sorts it, he's got this, he's got the shirt as well wow. I, I almost bought a shirt but then uh, i saw the price and uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> yeah. maybe when they get a little bit more uh...
2: yeah but, but those stripes are a really good visualization of how the earth's climate has changed and so mm. i use those as a teaching tool when we've been touring schools and you can kind of bring that life by kind of connecting it with uh, different people's ages and carbon dioxide concentrations and things. I think um, what's been really interesting around the climate and nature emergency is the realisation from scientists, from educators, that actually it's not as simple as just telling people the facts, that we have to give a far better context to this and we have to tell it through stories and we have to be creative with the way that we communicate this. And that's how you then begin to affect people's uh, thought processes and their behaviors and i think as teachers we sort of acknowledge that we do know that um, but actually in terms of wider society that understanding is still only beginning to develop but yes. there's all kinds of really interesting tools um, from a teacher's perspective i know that there's some really interesting kind of interactive websites um, but we have been developing some kind of um Lots of analogies, I guess you'd describe them. Uh, Mm. So there's one that I use with a blow up globe and talking about blankets, because actually it's much Mm. better to think of the greenhouse effect and the atmosphere as acting like a blanket rather than a greenhouse. It's sort of the wrong Mm. A greenhouse is a slightly wrong analogy. But there's another one as well around a bathtub. And we can think about um, carbon going into the atmosphere as being water into a bath and humans have sort of turned on a really big tap by burning more fossil fuels. And you can then talk through the analogy and then say, look, if the bath was starting to overflow, what would you do? And of course, the first thing the students kind of shout is turn off the tap. And then you say, well, that's just not what we've been doing. We've reached for the mop and bucket, and we're sort of trying to mop up the water rather than stop the burning of fossil fuels. So there's lots of really creative ways that you can communicate this. And that's at the heart
1: of a lot of what I've been doing great and 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 I love I absolutely love that and I completely agree the power of the story you know it's um like you said you know it's it's nice to know you know how often do we do we find out a fact of things about something and go oh that's terrible that's really bad yeah that needs to change and then carry on with our day, day daily lives you know it's you know mm. um uh, and so it's about making these things more habitual it's about yeah. kind of uh, changing changing behaviors really and and you know trying to make sure that we're doing things a little bit more unconsciously you know we have to de- you know develop habits over a long period of time yeah and, and i love the kind of the ways that you're saying you're describing to kind of activate the uh those thoughts because i think uh, uh, there's a lot more power as you said in 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 that
2: I, I, think, I think a lot of this, though, is also then has implications for how we structure the curriculum more broadly as well. That this idea that we have to permeate this sort of knowledge and these thought processes in everything we do rather than silo them. And I think that's mm. a reflection of this as well. That if, if we're going to have an impact on the scale that we want, this needs to be normalized across everything rather than seen as something um, that, that you do in, I don't know, it, it gets tagged on to PSHE or to, to some sort yes. of well-being uh, curriculum or something like that.
1: Oh, totally totally agree with that. And again, that's something that was reflected in, in, in a number of guests I've spoken to in the past that it has to be um part of our, our the the vernacular of, of, of education. It has mm. to it is part of education in the in, in its uh, purest form. Um the, brilliant. Well listen, um we've um uh, we're gonna we're going jump for a news break now. hopefully I can get the tech to work. <laughs> uh, and when we come back off the news break, we're just going to have a, a little bit of a reflection if you uh, from you, if you may, if if we may, from cop twenty six, and then we'll kind of find out a little bit more about how uh, we can uh, reach out to you, sir. So we'll be back in a jiffy, hopefully.
0: <laughs> this is Teachers' Talk Radio, and this is Teachers' Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
3: The Scottish Qualifications Authority have released its response to Professor Ken Muir's consultation on the future shape of Scotland's National Education Agencies. Fiona Robertson, SQA Chief Executive, commented, Our response to Professor Muir's consultation is forward-looking, setting out the collective vision of SQA staff. It identifies opportunities for the whole education and training system in Scotland and sets out how, with the right investment, expertise and resources, these can be realised. We believe that a new organisation, maximising the existing wealth of expertise of staff in SQA, could provide the catalyst to improve how education and training can meet the needs of learners, labour markets and the economy. SQA are calling for a new national body with responsibility for a single integrated approach to curriculum, qualifications and accreditation, both academic and vocational qualifications with parity of esteem between the two and greater availability of vocational courses in schools, delivery of qualifications outside Scotland to maintain and further enhance the global reputation of Scottish education and supporting the teaching profession's understanding and application of curriculum development assessment, quality assurance, and national standards. In England, the spread of the new Omnicon variant of COVID-19 has led to fears of an early closure for schools at Christmas. A spokesman for the Prime Minister has, however, stated that the government will keep schools open unless there is absolutely no choice but to close them. He said the government will continue to prioritise children's and young people's education and well-being, making sure education and childcare settings are as safe as possible, and children continue to benefit from classroom teaching. Keep schools open. Do all things necessary, like face masks in communal areas, to protect education education in the classroom. This has been your daily Education News Briefing.
0: Live from Qatar, this is The Breakfast Show with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you very much for the news, <laughs> Glynn. Um We
1: are uh, here on Teachers Talk Radio. This is the breakfast show. I am Dorian Brown. I am joined by the fantastic Paul Turner, uh, and we have just, you know, letting the time get away from us. Really, we've, uh, you know, we've taken a couple of, couple of, uh, of, of questions and just really kind of gone to town and kind of gone into a lot of depth uh, about the importance of us. Ultimately, I think bottom line is the, the, the obligation that we have as as teachers and, and as adults i think actually we can go broader in that that we we must find ways of um instilling knowledge and understanding about the the, the science and the and, and the climate crisis uh, but also actually uh ena- enabling uh our children and children 's children et etc to to be able to do something about it as well it's not it 's not enough to just know things we need to be able to kind of empower uh, and and enable as well um, and and a lot of the the things that Paul has been talking about you know has sort of centered along you know this kind of need for political um, uh, agreements and need for kind of you know larger scale top down things over the kind of the the, the the small intricate things that we can do as individuals so cop 26 paul um yeah. could, would you just give us your quick reflections on 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 how you think that that conference went was it a success or is it too early to ju- to judge whether it has been so i definitely don't think it's uh, too early to to measure success
2: or or to to be critical i think um it was last night actually i was watching this new Fr- franny armstrong and jonathan Pye, um Where? sort of comedy video about cop 26 and and i think it sums oh, up that, quite well and that was the one with david uh ed Miliband. The with, ed Miliband, it was in there yes, yes that was it and yeah, i'm seeing that and <laughs> george Monbiot uh and caroline lucas is in there as well and yeah. i think it's a really really good um kind of critique of cop 26 and i think from my perspective this is, this is i just think that those conferences are not going to come up with the answers that that type of thinking is not what's going to solve this crisis um and so i think i'm quite bold actually in in saying that we need to look at the alternatives and i think actually outside of cop26 up in glasgow there was lots of really interesting uh Mm. activity going on with indigenous communities and with youth activists and all of this was happening outside of the conference there was a place called the carbon castle where lots of these people were staying that's where the interesting stuff Mm. for me was happening and actually i think it's looking at at those sorts of ideas and and kind of more community-based response where actually the action is going to happen
1: does, does it not shine a light, though, so I, I hear what you're saying, does it not shine a light on perhaps uh, for the rest of the world, though, perhaps on how ineffective and unproductive maybe, you know, international, you know, these kind of government level uh, agreements and handshaking and and, and promises and stuff, if it, if it shines a light on the, you know, the, the, the unrealistic almost uh, promises that are being made does that not then galvanize those uh, groups outside and perhaps maybe add a little bit more fuel to the fire to, to the voice from the people yeah I think you're right I think you're right that then if it's if it then just highlights actually how ridiculous the
2: process and situation is and then Because I think it's interesting as well, though, looking at this in light of uh, the political response, because, again, this has an impact on education, you know, we've got youth strikes, you know, um, Mm. actually, the the movement within particularly the British government now is that um, more and more of this is becoming sort of almost illegal activity. And um, so activists are thinking about how they can respond effectively, and having to shift the way that they uh, kind of engage with this. And I think, yeah, that, that we—I I know of lots of students who politically are, are, are active and then kind of engage with this, and that they are then also thinking, kind of, how, what, what role can they play? How can they effectively
1: engage with all of this as well? Mm. And and we would hope eventually that 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 the voice of the people is heard and actually, cause, because because you know, I think it was—is it George Manabold who 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 kind of said. Uh, this idea of you know changing your 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 cotton buds to wooden ones etc are nice but they're just they're just they're just the fringe of the issue um you know if everyone switches their cotton buds to wooden ones that isn't going to solve the the, the scale of the problem that we've yeah, got so there's, we... there's
2: a slightly unpleasant phrase that george Mumbio has got called uh micro consumer um bollocks essentially and it's this mm. idea that it's a distraction that mm. uh, you know and I, I worry that there are organizations who are falling into this trap of perpetuating the idea that actually we need to focus on individual actions and as yes. much as that is good you know you see this in schools as well there's a sort of um, hyper uh, activity around Litter picking and recycling, and actually, in the grand scheme of things, those sorts of things, though they might have, a, you know, relatively big impact locally on the, on your surroundings, the reality on a on a bigger scale is that that actually has limited impact, and there's there's far bigger things that, that we can engage students with that mm. um, could have an impact.
1: It's it, it's it's um, a, a huge challenge, isn't it? Because firstly, we've got to kind of get. Change the thinking towards, uh, you know, being more. Uh, ch- change dis- positive dispositions towards the the, the climate crisis, etc. And mm. then we've got to kind of. Then we've got to teach the difference between the what a quality contribution is versus one which is perhaps maybe just kind of piecemeal, you know, just kind yeah. of um, yeah, lip, service, uh, just lip and- service, as it were. Yeah. Mm. So it's a uh, yes, it's uh, it's fantastic because we want, you know, for one step at a time, isn't it? We can't expect everybody suddenly overnight to kind of just change but we I, I think when we're implementing change we you know we need to think about the the intent you know what what are we trying to change uh, what's the impact and, and what's the impact actually going to yeah. to be of our, of our actions i, I
2: think there's, there's some really interesting things for any teachers out there who who want to find out more around the the green new deal um and there's a, a green new deal in the uk that's being pushed by uh, a number of organizations and i think it's those sorts of things that give us real hope that are big Mm. structural changes that then make, we essentially want to give people, um, make it so that then the easy option is the sustainable one. And at the moment, that's just not how society is structured. You know, it it shouldn't be the norm that people just have a car and that they can drive everywhere. Um, Mm. And again, though, this has implications uh, in education as well, you know, in the sense of what the norm is within education and the way that we then um, structure schooling, we could make that far more sustainable.
1: Yeah, but again, big ripple effect that in terms of impact on, on society, on business, or uh, you know, on, on on the way the world works and the way the world has become to, to, yeah. to to operate. It needs it's a complete kind of it's almost it's a seismic shift. But I think um, we are we are making incremental changes.
2: Yeah, what's interesting is that we are being pushed closer and closer to the point at which um, the need for this change becomes more and more dramatic. That, mm. you know if we don't choose to make it now we will be forced to later on and then if we are forced to later on the 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 kind of transition will be far more dramatic and and so there's lots mm-hmm. of those sorts of discussions as well but you know if we hold yes. off and keep the system running as it is at the moment it makes the change much more significant you know and you can think about this in terms of carbon emissions and the idea of how you know we need to cut our carbon emissions or Greenhouse gas emissions by five percent to stay below. So this is annually, globally. Mm. We need to, to cut our emissions by five percent each year to stay below one point five degrees. Um, and at the moment, yes. it's just increasing every year. You know, we have burned yeah. more than we did the previous year, <laughs> and all this. So, and then, and then that curve that gets steeper and steeper and so uh those are the sorts of implications i think there's lots of people in life who think we'll 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 be just fine (laughs) we'll make it we'll change it it'll it'll Mm -hmm. happen but the thing is by waiting longer and longer um the likelihood of that sort of change and staying below a a kind of suitable temperature Mm -hmm. becomes much much more significant
1: yeah. And it's got to be more dramatic. You know, it, it's, it's a much more dramatic change that needs to happen. The longer it goes on, isn't it? It's uh, mm. yes, it's it, it defies logic in, in, in many senses, but there
2: we go. The, the, the thing <laughs> I think as well, though, is that this has really significant implications in terms of education that as a teacher, that's then, then I bring that thinking to the classroom. And I think, well, actually, you know, the longer that we dig our heels in and say, no, we're going to stick with the current system, the, the much more
1: challenging and difficult it is to then change it later on. Um, yes. Absolutely, yes. Manuel's just joined us in the studio. He said what we're talking about, and so we, Manuel, good morning. Thank you for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio. We are uh, talking to Paul Turner here, and he's just given us some reflections about um, the uh, about COP twenty six, and perhaps maybe it isn't perhaps as successful as, as as many people perhaps have touted it to be. And in fact, our successes we should focus on the on the on on, on the community and the voice of the people in terms of trying to make these uh, incremental changes to, uh, to 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 safeguard the, the the sustainable future of our planet um paul just just want to also shine a light um i had the the, the pleasure of uh, having sarah and archie from aim aim high on a few weeks ago yeah, yeah. Um, because they uh they broadcasted live from the belly of the conference itself on that great big lesson of nature and sustainability it was absolutely phenomenal we had a And we had, I think, about uh, because it uh, it was on a Friday, and Friday is our Saturday here, Um, so all the students were off school. But we did maybe uh, manage to get sort of thirty or forty students to kind of join uh, from home, which was which was great. Um, Just wondered if you you Archie talked about. The, how he joined the AIM High uh, initially yeah. was, was doing the, the cl- this climate course, the AIM High climate course. So i wondered wondering mm-hmm. if you could tell us a little bit about that and if it's something that us yeah. te- the, the, the teachers could uh, engage with to perhaps maybe, as we spoke about earlier, um, get a little bit more informed about about the climate crisis uh, yeah. and, and feel more comfortable, comfortable with delivering it. Yeah. So uh, AIM High is another one of these awesome organisations.
2: It was set up by Matthew Shribben and... Uh, a couple of other characters you who's know, got Sarah and Henry involved now at the moment. it started and hopefully they explain this story as well uh, in the lockdowns, wanting to democratize and open up access to education so that then um, children who may, may be at home um, during the first lockdown and didn't have access to um, online learning that they could access mm. some so that was the, yes. the beginnings of it and then um so yeah, then we developed this climate and nature course and it's been kind of uh, incredible, actually, the rate at which it's grown. We've been um, running lots of these public courses. I was involved, we ran it live from the Eden Project, um, live streaming, and that was an incredible experience as well. Uh, It was the first time that that any organization had ever live streamed from the Eden Project. But the course is a four-part online course that's delivered as four hour-long sessions. And the idea is it's designed to, to teach anyone and everyone the very bare bones of what they need to know about the climate and nature emergency but also what they can do to so how to make a difference and mm. that is at the heart of, of the approach as well is to always remain positive so whilst being realistic and, and kind of critical of what is actually going on but also mm. acknowledging kind of where most significant change can happen and actually so we've been running that course for certain schools we actually we did a special um sort of one lesson for the National Education Union um, and we're sort of running it over the next few months more and more for schools. If anyone was interested they can get in touch with AIM High and then it's possible to either for us to book a special run of the course um, or we will I think be running some more public courses in the future. Um, Great. It's a really exciting organisation to be a part
1: of as well. Yeah, great, fantastic. We'll put a link to the to, to the course itself because you know, particularly any CPD leads that are listening, um, uh, you know, four times one hour uh, sessions, etc. I mean, that's a it's a drop in the ocean. That's not you know, that's in relative terms. I guess I know that we are re- we are time poor, but in terms of you know this this uh, in, incoming mandate that we will be having to teach about. The, the climate crisis, absolutely. Uh, we, yeah, we need to be confident and comfortable in what we're teaching. And I love the the idea that it's not just about the the the, the facts, etc., but also how we can we can engender in, in action, etc., as well uh, in that case as well.
2: I, I should probably also mention that at the beginning in September, at the beginning of the academic year, um, uh, Jess Tipton, who's part of the UK School Sustainability Network, they coordinated a really good CPD video, and it's an hour long video from a whole variety of different organizations, Aim High is one of them, but you've got Rachel from Thoughtbox. Uh, there's a whole variety of different people who come at it from, or come at the Climate Nature Emergency from different perspectives. And again, that's a really good introduction to lots of this. So if anyone was uh, looking for something, if they uh, searched on YouTube or Google, it's UK UKSSN CPD video, you'd find
1: that. And that's a really good resource. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Yes, I'm sort of noting all of these down, and I will, inc- as I said, include them at in the end. And what I'm also loving as well is that you're giving me some, some names and ideas as well of future guests as well. Um, I I got, definitely, um,
2: Jess is definitely a good person to get involved. She's created this um, regional network, or sorry, it's a national network of regional networks that are empowering and encouraging sort of youth action, sort of student-led within schools. It's a, it's a really good initiative fantastic
1: great and, and uh, just a little bit of a plug as well for next week because we do have sam kendall from eden project on uh, teachers talk radio on the on the breakfast show next week as well so hopefully she's going to be able to give us a bit more information about what you talked about in terms of the live broadcast from eden project as well so that's very exciting too um this important we're gonna uh, i'm gonna try uh, one uh, last ad break uh, and then we'll come back and then we'll just have a uh, uh, Five, five, five to eight minutes, if I may, just having a, a chat about how we can kind of reach out and, and, and look at what the future for, for the radical geographer is uh, okay. has in store. So we'll
0: hopefully be back in a sec. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Live from Qatar, this is The Breakfast Show with Dorian Brown
1: welcome back there this is the breakfast show uh, on Friday the 3rd of December uh, I'm Dorian Brown and I'm joined by Paul Turner and we are rapidly uh, heading towards the end of the show but I just wanted to take uh, an opportunity obviously we've, we've talked about so much and I think that we could have gone on for hours and hours because these uh, issues are, are huge mm. really significant really important and 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 I hope that really for, for listeners in the studio and people downloading afterwards uh, it does uh, creates starts start some conversations and just keeps these conversations going and just really if I can just bold underline and highlight in, in italics that it's all about the actions it's all about you know the you know to borrow from from greta you know the the blah 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 it's, it, we need to stop the blah 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 but the blah 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 is still important but it's important that that blah 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 does end up in action um, and I think paul has really kind of given us an, a number of suggestions and ideas about actions that we can uh, uh, facilitate within our schools Um, but i think the most important one we talked about is the 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 uh the fact that we need to build the teachings uh of the climate crisis uh, via the idea of the ministry of eco potentially uh in our in our curriculum it needs to become become the fabric of our of of our of our teaching Um,
2: the, the, the thing I wanted to just throw in there as well is that's how we make it sustainable. That's how we make it have a longevity is by embedding it within the curriculum. And that's one of our big motivations is to say, look, let's yes. make it easier for everyone by putting it at the heart of education rather than on the fringes. Yeah, thank
1: Beautiful. you yeah no uh, and that links to exactly what i was going to say actually because when you look at your website uh, uh, there is an absolute phenomenal amount of resources on there that you've produced and they're all freely available we've got schemes of work we've got you know you've even done the the, the, the climate breakdown scheme of work which gives you kind of like video instruction etc so i really cannot recommend it enough in terms of people uh, accessing these resources there um and so firstly just thank you very much for your generosity with all these things i know that you know a number of organizations and companies you know rightly so in a, in a number of ways you know do sort of charge for these <laughs> sorts of things because of the amount of time and effort and and that goes into the output um, but i think it really is testament to the message that you're giving um about uh you know the fact that this is all our obligation and and, and so by sharing your resources so freely and so generously i think that's a fantastic uh, thing and, and i'd like to thank you from thank you from from geographers but also <laughs> for also all teachers hopefully that are now going to uh, you yeah. might get a little bit more traffic to there yeah. hopefully now well, thank you. Um,
2: i guess the, what you're highlighting is actually that's a key philosophy of, of my approach is that I think look the internet has enabled so much of this sharing it's made it so much easier and that it's important that we sort of make the most of that and, and use the opportunity like with the, the climate mm-hmm. breakdown teaching resources where they were sort of crowdsourced initially you know I put out the, mm-hmm. the calls to say I was going to make these and then people put forward ideas of what questions they should include and that's been a really powerful process of, of kind of connecting and, and crowdsourcing in that sense but yeah also just the idea of of providing things for free i think is is so important that um you know as a teacher we're getting paid to teach and i know that this is extra time but um yeah it's something i would highly recommend to lots more people
1: yeah, and and uh, uh, Alan Parker said the same thing. He's been mm. sort of blogging for twenty odd years or something, and and sh- and he says if 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 one of his blogs or one of his resources and and, and they're n- they're never too long. Mm. If it helps planning for one teacher, then it's done its job, you know. If it helps kind of uh, uh, save some time for a teacher in one area or another, then it's done its job, you know. Um, yeah. But I think w- 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 with your website, your resources, et cetera, not only is it saving time and planning, but it's also got a lot of uh, rich content which which is essential as well i think in, yes. in 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 this idea of kind of promoting the climate crisis the, the um,
2: thing i also try though as well is that to try and nudge people to be a bit braver as well so so i you know appreciate that mm. they are a bit bolder and different to what people might normally do but I, hopefully even mm. if they just take something small from that so hopefully it makes them a little bit more critical in their teaching and, and a bit
1: braver in terms of their approach beautiful yes love it um paul we're, we're near in the end so i just wanted to ask really if if we could give us an indication of what the future is for paul Turner and the radical geographer what uh, what have you got any uh, exclusives or or have you got anything coming up in the future any projects that you're really kind of excited about at the moment that you that
2: you'd like to share with us we, so much of my time and energy is going into this ministry of eco education at the moment so mm. that's something we're really hoping to to in, in January we've got some national press coming out and we're hoping to really scale that up in the new year particularly mm. then again from next september um, I'm working on a couple of uh, schemes of work more around the land enclosures and the enclosure acts that have happened in in England, um, which have a bit of a history focus, but bring in ideas of colonialism and uh, capitalism as well, because I think that's something that's often missing from um, the current kind of school teaching. So that's something yes. that's quite exciting. Working with an organisation called Three Acres and a Cow, um, that was it, it was a touring. Um, Theatre production actually, kind of folk
1: yes. based, based yes. around the I, enclosure I acts. Yeah. I did see the song. at the be- I, 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 I saw the song at the very beginning, actually, on one of the videos. It was very entertaining. Yeah.
2: And, and but that, again, as well, there's so many uh, useful material resources, songs that they've mm. got that are going to be part of this. You know, imagine starting a song, uh, starting a lesson with a song or a poem. Great. I think that's really powerful. You know, imagine as a mm. teacher standing up and performing something
1: to the class and then Absolutely. starting the lesson. So, so there's, that, that's some of what's to come. Sounds beautiful. Sounds amazing, Paul, and it also sounds you've got your hands full there. So I'm getting. So yes, I'm getting. Sorry. We've got breakfast no, no. going on at the moment. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, it is the breakfast show, so I yes. mean you should be right. Um, listen, uh, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure I'm sure that the the listeners in the studio and people that have, uh, have have downloaded this afterwards have really enjoyed um what you've had to share with us today. So I really thank you for your well, for you. your time uh, and sharing breakfast with us this morning. Um, as I said, all of the links uh, that we've talked about, I'll put in those show notes um and yeah uh, i hope you have a fantastic day and thank you very much for all your work and uh, maybe we so. can get you back again in the future yeah thank you so much brilliant take care Cheers. thank you very much everybody tune in next week for sam kendall from the eden project have a lovely day and enjoy your weekend bye-bye
0: you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org